Tonight's episode is brought to you from the parking lot of Malone's Bar and Grill. Put it in park, don't drink and drive, and enjoy the show. A sound soul dwells within a sound mind and a sound body. First published in 2003, Soul Eater tells the story of Maka, a teenage girl at the Death Weapon Meister Academy, where students are sent by death himself to harvest the souls of the wicked. You're listening to Carbar, and tonight we're popping the top on Soul Eater. Hop in. Alright, cheers. Alright. Another shot at Carbar. Here we go. That's right. The, the the once again inaugural episode. Right, yeah, this is going to be our first, you know, well-produced episode. We hope. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I, well is a strong word. Right, there's... Our first, like, kind of, like, produced episode. There's more technology at work here than there's been before. That's true. Um, so I just finished Soul Eater today. I liked it. Yeah? It was good. It hit for me. It was, you know, I, I've been saying it for the last week, I finished last week. And I loved it. Like I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's not without its faults, but I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like you're, you. This is a like kind of resurgent anime experience for you because you, you don't really go for this stuff usually, right? No. So I don't. The last anime I watched was like Yu Gi Oh. Right. So of course, my first one was Pokemon, sure. and then I went in and I watched a lot of Yu Gi Oh right after that phase. But outside of that, no anime for Alex. Um, I was working last week or a couple weeks ago uh, with some girls at work, and they're really big into anime. Shout out to Madison and Brianna. Um, the two people most likely to listen to this podcast. Right. Pro- actually, the only two people. The only who people who will listen to this podcast. Like, the only two. But I was talking to them, and I made a deal with them. I was really big into reading uh, X23. And I made a deal with them because I wanted to talk to somebody about my comic, but no one gave a shit about X23. So I made a deal with them. I was like, you want, or you read the first like two, you know, story arcs of X23. I'll watch any anime you got, you know, as long as it fits what I like. And I gave them some, you know, things I kind of liked. And I, I told them like a strong female lead is what I like. My two favorite heroes, uh, superheroes are, Domino and X-23. So I like the the strong female lead there. So right. they, they recommended Soul Eater. Um, they said it's low investment. It's pretty quick watch. It's fun. And man, did it hit. They, they, they hit it on the head. Hit the feels, huh? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's it's definitely interesting, like, that you would say to them that you liked a female protagonist, you know, like a strong female character, because that's, that's kind of what this show is all about. A lot of anime, especially this type of anime, um, which I think is referred to as shonen. Again, like there are people that can discuss this much more eloquently than right. we can. But like typically, it's there's a lot of male dominated characters, and what makes this one interesting is that you get a girl, and more than that, a girl that's not like highly sexualized. Like unfortunately, a lot of a lot of them turn out to be. Well, and and that's uh, give credit to Madison because I, I gave her what I liked and. She threw out a few things, and then she was like, no, you know what, do Soul Eater. You know, if you like a strong female protagonist, do Soul Eater and tell me what you think. And a few episodes in and really enjoyed it, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, I, I, I can jive with it. I'll. So that was my ideal, was I was going to do 10 episodes. Right. And from there, I was going to do 10 episodes, decide, 
Do I want to keep going? Because that was the original deal. It's like, I'll watch 10 episodes, you read this much about the same investment, but fell in love with it. And sure. I was like, no, man, I'm going to the end. And I just binged the shit out of it. Well, we live in an age now where you can crank these out pretty quick. And, right. And like, they're more and more popular. Like, you can find them on Netflix and Hulu. But like, it used to be back in the day, like, you had to like go to like some like comic book video store and like find, you know, DVDs or tapes or something like that was sent over. I guess you could find them online. Adult Swim and stuff like Cartoon Network would play them like late at night. But if you missed it and you didn't record it, like you were just, you were shit out of luck. So, so yeah, no, I mean, and Soul Eater is great. Like it's like, it's a good bridge anime from like the sort of nineties era stuff, which is at least like, and I'm coming mostly from like the Americanized, the stuff we saw over here mm-hmm. uh, that got produced over here, like your Pokemons, your Yu-Gi-Oh's, your Dragon Ball Z's. Like that was kind of like the real introduction to anime in America. Like I know there was other stuff before it. Like some people saw Speed Racer back in the day and like Astro Boy and things like that. But, but really it kind of took its hold with the like Pokemon craze. Yeah. It just, it just shot up from there, but it, it it kind of got stigmatized for the same reason, right? Like it was, it was childish because in America, especially like cartoons are for children and you, you don't really get a chance to explore anything deeper than just like basic good versus evil tropes. And I think that was another reason this was a good one to start with. If I'm going to dive into anime, because it had a lot of the humor like younger humor of pokemon so it had something that i could relate to and and go oh i enjoyed this when i was a kid but also had a lot of adult you know um content in there as well like and adult you know feelings and, and stuff like that yeah there's like adult characters that interact with children and you know the kids are young but not so young i mean they're teenagers they go to this academy um, and we're going to get into more to that later, kind of how this show is set up. Um, but no, I mean, like I was skeptical about Soul Eater. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of all over the place and I kind of gave up after a few episodes because it just kept jumping around. Like the first three episodes, especially are all kind of like very specific chapters with different characters. And I guess back when I first watched it, I didn't have the attention span to push through and be like, maybe they're building towards something bigger. But I know that when the guy initially created it, like he created it kind of in that way. He kind of like had these three separate stories that he threw out there with that were only loosely tied together by this idea. And then from that, it kind of spurred this grander story that came to be Soul Eater. So yeah, I mean like, and it's, it's, it's popular, but it's not, I don't think it's, like, it's not considered, like, one of, like, the all-time greats, which is fine. I mean, like, it's a solid second-tier anime, and uh, it has a lot of good things going for it. Yeah, and like I said, I think, just like they recommended this to me, this is something I would recommend to someone that has not seen an anime before, because it's, it's a nice... It's not too in depth. It's right. not too crazy where you can't, you know, you can't grasp the whole idea. It's pretty basic, easy to understand, easy to follow, funny, also deep, like right. has everything you need. Yeah, and it's like it's definitely one I would recommend to people of our age cuz like we were also in high school at the time of like that this was being written and filmed or filmed, I say, like drawn, and it captures that kind of like emo neo punk vibe in a lot of ways, like, both with the music and the style. Like, I, I mean, definitely anyone who listened to, like, you know, Linkin Park or My Chemical Romance or something like that would definitely have related with what this show was trying to be. 
Right. Um, there's definitely like a strain of that like mid two thousands uh, post punk emo type atmosphere comes out like that uh, Tim Burton esque style resonated with a lot of people because we grew up watching you know those types of movies. Right. So let's get into the actual show itself. We mentioned earlier Maka as a protagonist. You know, it's like what makes her unique beyond just her gender. You know, it's like because yeah, it's important that she's a girl and stuff, and she's a you know what now you would call a girl boss in a lot of ways, but she's not without her vulnerabilities. So what, what, what made her interesting to you as like a, you know, hero for this story? So with Maka right away, obviously she, Maka and Sol are the first characters you're introduced to episode one. Maka right away. I liked her right away. I was like, Oh, she's badass. I was like, man, they hit it on the head. I wanted a badass female protagonist and she hits that. And she continues that through, and obviously, all the way through to the end, it culminates into her being the biggest badass. And the problem I have, I guess, with her, if I had to throw out a problem, is, like, she was so badass, but, like, her her shortcomings were very minimal, and her, uh, I guess, her inner demons were just... It was her father and her her fight with the fact that she doesn't dis, she doesn't agree with how her father did her mother. Her mother's not around, right. so um, they're very relatable. So I thought right. it was good, but also it got to the point that by mid season I was no longer interested. Yeah, no, it's like the shortcomings in general of a lot of the characters are pretty lackluster at times. Right. Like, with the exception of some of the adults, like, you know what I mean? Like, Professor Stein obviously is going through some shit. But, like, I did, a lot of it seemed very surface-based. You know, kid is, he, he's obsessed with symmetry, which is fine. That's a personality quirk, though. Like, that's not, like, an inner demon. Like, Battlestar, we get into it a little bit with his backstory, and it kind of comes and goes. But again, like, it, it doesn't seem to particularly bother him a whole lot. And Maka, the same way. It's like, yeah, okay, so your mom left, and your dad's kind of a creepy deadbeat, but that's never really explored. So that is kind of a shortcoming of the show, I thought. Absolutely, and I think that's something I want to get into, you know, we'll get into later, but, right. you know, there are several shortcomings, you know, that kind of do bring the show down. Just sticking on Maka, I do think she's badass, she's a lot of fun. I, you mentioned it earlier, like, she's not overly sexualized, so right. she's a badass female character that I can follow throughout this entire show, yeah. that that I'm, I don't like her because, oh, she has big tits and whatever, like, no, she's badass because she's badass. Yeah, she holds her own. Right. In any situation. I mean, she's definitely advocates for herself and stands up when she needs to. There's moments of where she's timid and, you know, overwhelmed, but that's like anybody else. I also kind of, I like that we're kind of dropped in mid-story, where, like, the world is kind of explained over the subsequent 50 episodes. Like, when we first are introduced to Maka and Soul. They're basically at the end of one journey, you might say. Like, they've collected 99 souls. They're kind of trying to collect this last witch soul. It doesn't go as planned. And they're kind of back to square one. So it's like, obviously, these characters have already been together for a while. Like, you don't get the, like, how did they meet? Like, why are they, like, compatible? Like, you just kind of are, like, thrown in with them. Which I thought was kind of an interesting choice from, like, a narrative standpoint. But I actually liked it. Like, I did like the... At first, you know, you watch a new show and you're kind of confused. You're like, what's going on? But I actually just watched... rewatched the first episode uh, before we started this. And 
it actually is really neat how they do it. They do, like, kind of like you said, they ended one story arc that you were not a part of and completely explained this new story arc while explaining how this world works. Right, because when I first, like, watched it for the first half of it, I was like, what the hell was the point of collecting all those, like, the whole 99 souls, one witch soul thing? Like, that's never really brought up again. And I don't think it needed to be. It doesn't. I just like, think... Ultimately, like, I kind of understand it now. Like, it, it's okay that it wasn't. Like, at the time, I'm like, you kind of, like, built, in my mind, I was like, oh, like, that's going to be the basis of a show. Like, let's collect souls. Let's do this. Like, let's explain why we need to do this. But it's, like, almost like that show already happened. We just never saw it. And it ended kind of in abject failure. So they're like, all right, well, like, I guess we're just done with that. We're not going to worry about making the character's soul a death scythe anymore. Like, that's never brought up again. Right. There's no motivation there whatsoever. Soul's just basically there to live his life, get a nosebleed anytime he sees some ass, and, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, give support to Maka, which is which is fine. It's like, all right, let's move on. Like, let's do something different. Well, that brings us to Soul. Soul's interesting. I mean, he's just, he's he's pretty chill. He's pretty cool. He's very basic. Like, you know, he's the fun, cool guy. Like, that's his, his big thing. Every. Every character has, like, their thing. His is, like, I want to be the cool guy. Like, oh, that's not cool, you know. He always wants to find out how he's cool. And then, of course, like, eventually he gets the black blood when he fights Krona and Ragnarok. Right, he gets the, the black blood mixed with him, and then he gets that demon inside of him. For me, that storyline didn't do anything for me. Which one? The The demon inside him, like, that. Oh, the whole, like. Yeah, like, well, that was kind of odd. That was pretty much straight. You need to have some conflict, I guess. And so they decided that Soul was going to be the one that was dealing with this inner turmoil where he was warring against himself. Like, does he give in to his baser emotions and instincts in order to gain power? It's like the dark side of the Force. And the whole, like, I mean, and we can talk about this now if you want, like, what, like, kind of influences went into Soul Eater. But... I mean, it's like a straight, it's a straight up Twin Peaks ripoff. Like, I know you never saw Twin Peaks, but like that whole red room with like the demon dancing. I mean, like that is 100% lifted from another show where this guy goes into this alternate reality and he's trying to come into, he's coming, coming into battle with the idea of like good versus evil and like whether he's going to be possessed or not by this like complete evil. So it was kind of like, it was pretty brazen to just straight up lift that from there. But, you know, whatever, like, you roll with it. It's fine. I didn't mind it because I thought at least it, here's somebody who has this kind of war within himself and has to make these choices. And at least you get some kind of payoff towards the end when he kind of overcomes it and accepts that part of him. That's really, like, all lead up to that. Like, the black blood is just a, a method for him or whatever, like, a, a highway for him to, like, end up in this quandary for Maka to somehow delve into it and have her and him be like the ones that pull each other out of it yeah. it's all about building their relationship ultimately like it's just like a plot device for that right and i get that and like i you said the word that i'm actually going to contradict you were like oh but at least you get this payoff that's what i didn't like i didn't really like the payoff because my point my thing was unless i missed something i was being kind I was, I was being kind of the show. You're right. You don't really get a payoff, but at least it's explained at the end. There's a lot of things that aren't, there's a lot of plot holes early on that they're just kind of like, yeah, like, don't worry about that. That was just something else and we'll move on. Like, Well, and I think for me, it's like, I guess maybe I was reading too much into it. I figured this was all started by the black blood. Like, right. 
And I'm thinking, oh, all this shit happened with Corona with the black blood. Is he going to get this? And this, so I guess I thought too far into the black blood part of it. But I was just like, okay, so you're this demon's like, once you release me, or once you like, you know, accept me, you know, we're, which he did. Right. Uh, once you accept me, then there's no turning back. And I'm like, oh, okay, then is he going to become like evil? And nope, he, he's not. No, like, it meant nothing. You're 100% right in a lot of ways. Like, and I, again, like, I'm trying to be like open minded about it because. First of all, anyone who listens to this is obviously a fan of Soul Eater, and the last thing anyone wants to hear is us then, like, ripping Soul Eater apart. That being said, there's a real lack of focus and attention to detail in this show. That it's much more about the sort of in-the-moment experience than it is about world-building and payoff. Right. Everything is, like, visually cool and, like, oh, like, like this is kind of a cool idea. And again, it goes back, like... It's very, like, influenced by things like, you know, Tim Burton and David Lynch. It's like, I don't really understand what the hell's going on, but, like, it's a cool concept. Like, hey, that sun is looks like that, and the moon looks like that, and everything is kind of weirdly, like, in this German expressionist-type way, you know, depicted. But ultimately, like, as far as, like, payoff, eh, you know, show lacks a little bit. But that's okay. I mean, like, it's, it's not... It's not the end of the world. It's meant to be enjoyed for what it is. Even, like, down to, like, the basic stress structure of, like, the school that people go to, like, the Harry Potter, you know, idea of, like, here's this sort of, quote-unquote, magical school that these people go to. And that's a genre into itself, like, this spiritual awakening journey that you achieve through a high school setting. There's a term called, I think it's called Buildings Roman or whatever, like, and that's basically what that is. And it's popular. I mean, it's no surprise that this came out sort of in, like, this young adult era fiction where you have, like, these teenagers, they're misunderstood, they're in school, they're going through their own problems. But uh, we can probably move on to... We can probably move on to Krona, right? Yeah. I think he's probably the... To me, he's, like, he's probably the most interesting character as far as, like where he starts and where he ends up. He is, I, I say he, I know he's supposed to be like kind of androgynous. They it's, refer to him as he several times right. in the show. In the show, he's referred to as he. That's why I'm referring to him as he. I, I've read elsewhere that like it's never specified right. whether it's a man or a woman because I think in a lot of ways because he's supposed to be the most relatable character. Right. Especially for the type of people who might be watching this show at that time. Like he's sort of an outsider. He's you know, suffered this trauma, he feels very isolated, and he has a terrible home life, and all he really wants is a friend, but it's not always easy to come by. Yeah, and I don't even think, like, I don't even think he knows that he wants a friend. I think he needs a friend, you know? And I think he goes through such a traumatic upbringing, and this is where I think, like, the adult part of the show comes in, where it's, this is something that people really deal with. Like, maybe maybe not to that extent, obviously, like, oh, kill this dragon, kill this dog, otherwise I'm going to lock you up. Maybe not to that extent, but, like, this is what a lot of people, and there's a lot of uh, serious tones to this, right. like of people fighting depression, people fighting anxiety, people that are growing up in, you know, households where, you know, their parents aren't like like our parents were, where, where they were very nurturing. So he had a really, really rough upbringing, and it's really tragic to watch, watch the unfolding uh, whenever they go back and kind of give you his backstory. It's really tragic, and um, but it really brings a lot to the show, and I think it really is one of the one of the dynamics of the show that they did incredibly well, 
and it's sad. It's sad that they, you know, that it was so well done because it it's just a really sad take. Yeah, I mean, as someone who works with a few people in Corona's position, I was kind of it kind of like elevated the show for me in a lot of ways because like when I first started watching it, I'm just like, okay, like a couple of kids running around, like kicking ass, collecting souls, like goofy, you know, goofy kind of premise, and then like the Corona arc hits or whatever, like the Demon Sword arc. And it was like, oh, shit, shit just got real. And I thought it did a actually really good job of capturing like that type of person and the sort of insecurities and hesitations that they would have just because I, I, I've seen some of that firsthand now. And it, it is it is very troubling and traumatic. And I thought I thought they handled it really well, at least like that's why I was kind of like he's almost out of place because he's such a complex character to all these other kind of fun, but frankly one-dimensional avatars you know what i mean like battlestar is battlestar at the beginning and he's battlestar at the end you black know? Star. sorry <laughs> black star yeah black star uh kid kid death or whatever is is pretty much the same through and through like he becomes a little more mature a little more you know in control of himself maka self-actualizes more than most but even so, she's still kind of the same person. Yeah, she was a badass in the beginning. She was a badass. Right. You know, like, she's, like, a little more, like, in control of her badassery. But ultimately, yeah, you're like, yeah, this girl can handle herself. She just needs a little extra confidence. That's that's kind of really all it comes down to. Whereas Corona, like, comes in, and he's annoying at first. Like, you're like... Absolutely. Like, you're like, this... What, what, what is going on? What is he wearing? Why is he whining so much? And But the more you learn about him... The more you understand it and the more he interacts with the other characters, the more he opens up. But I also appreciated that he doesn't like have this sort of, you know, like instant, like I am now my own person. Um, I'm going to start wrecking house. You know what I mean? Like that's like the easy way out. It's like, oh, I have now like come to terms with everything like that kind of like goodwill hunting. It's not your fault moment doesn't happen because frankly, it doesn't happen. You know, it's like this is something you deal with forever, but he's able to cope with it a lot better. And he understands Maka probably better than anyone else in the show by the end of it. Well, what I think they did incredibly well, because, you know, you're absolutely right. What He is the most dynamic, the most deep character by far. But what I think they did really well, and maybe I'm getting too philosophical about it, but what I think they did really well with him is you have him coming from a broken household where he feels like nothing, you know, his mother is not nurturing and what's obviously whatsoever and abuses him so he comes from an abusive household but you know what you take Ragnarok and I'm maybe I'm looking too deep into this and getting too philosophical but you look at Ragnarok Ragnarok's always beating him up and calling him you know worthless and he's you know horrible and this and this and this and for me that's like a mirror of your inner self telling you yourself is not good enough because obviously Ragnarok is part of him. So it's like someone that comes from a bad household that already has low self-esteem because their parents are telling them that they're not worth it. But then their inner self, in his case, Ragnarok, is telling him, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm never going to be able to work in this world. So they did just a really good job all around. I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. And I hadn't actually thought about that until you said it. But like, at first I was like, the whole Ragnarok relationship isn't ever really explained. It's like, oh, he's a weapon and a meister in one. And I was just like, okay, um, like, whatever. But like, I think 
your to your point, like I think you're absolutely right. Like I think that's probably why. Like it's his own inner demon and his own sort of hesitancy, and you know, like he like you said, he beats himself up about it. So I I think you're spot on with that. And and frankly, I didn't I didn't realize it until now. But yeah, I, I, that makes a lot more sense than him just sort of naturally having this sort of weapon blood within him. It's more of a commentary on the sort of you know self-hate that comes after years and years of abuse. So another character that you really took to was Blackstar that I've been calling Battlestar throughout most of the <laughs> podcast. I don't know why I've been calling him Battlestar. I, I, I guess it's no more stupid than Blackstar as a name. Yeah, Blackstar is your sort of prototypical, hyper-confident, wannabe champion character uh, that is matched with Subaki, who is his opposite in basically every way. And uh, they kind of have a nice sort of thing going there. I don't know. What, what do you What do you think? You You were a big Blackstar fan. Blackstar, definitely, definitely a fan. And I'll tell you why. For whatever reason, I related to him. And I, it's not that like I'm thinking I'm a, some huge badass or that I'm trying to ascend above God. But I don't know what it is I, that I had. I just felt like he was me in a character like where he tr- he's acts like an asshole, you know, I mean, but really he's a good dude. Um, and I'll tell you what, like a lot of characters in this show, there's so many characters in the show immediately. I hated them. Mm. And this is what I liked about the show. Immediately. I hated them. And then after a while, I'm like, nah, man, I like this character. So, so or uh, black star was no different. I saw the first episode with him and he just seemed like a cocky, arrogant, just douchebag, which he was, um, but I didn't like him. But then I, after a few episodes, I was like, oh, all right, all right. But then the episode, and man, definitely a top three episode for me, if not my favorite episode, was when he was in the village, Subaki was fighting his, her brother or whatever, and he sat there and fucking took a fucking beating. <laughs> While she's like potentially dying, he has no idea what's going on with Sabaki. All he knows is she's unconscious and she's fighting her inner demons and her own inner shit. Yeah, she's he's getting whacked on the head while she's and you they're know, in just Mortal beating Kombat. this village is just beating the shit out of him, and he's just sitting there and taking it and taking it. And then they say, fuck it, we're going to start hitting Subaki. And they go to hit Subaki, and he like grabs and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I will kill you. Yeah, that's the most characterization we get of Blackstar. I guess that's my biggest problem with him. It's like, okay, like, that's a great, like, baseline to work with. Where does this go from here? And the answer is, doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, he's still talking about surpassing God the entire show. And by the end, I'm just like, all right, like, yeah, cool. What else you got for me? I, I don't know. Like, he he's an interesting character, I suppose, but I just he didn't buzz me in a lot of ways. No, and I get it, and that's something I want to get into later is like issues with the show. Um, so I won't go into it too yeah. much now. I'm not trying to hate on Blackstar. I just like as as just like another one of those things. I was just like he's just kind of a you know, he's like placeholder for like I, I don't know. There, I I will say the only time I laughed out loud, and I told you this earlier, was when they're taking the test in that one episode, which again is like a kind of throwaway episode. It doesn't really mean anything. But like, and Black Star is put up on the chalkboard for what I forget exactly what he does to like get that punishment. I think he's late or something to the test, and he fucking writes his name, and Soul thinks he's going to give him the answer to the test, 
and it's just his signature on the chalkboard. And I, I that did crack me up, <laughs> and it kind of sums him up in, in a in a sentence there, like who he is as a person. Well, no, so I think, and this is one of the things that, like I said, we'll talk about later when we go into the issues of the episode. Is I don't think they built on him enough. Yeah. But anyway, no, like I said, I kind of related with him and I thought he was a much deeper character than giving credit for. And I feel like if they really expanded, there was a lot there. But I really liked his character. But you're absolutely right. There was just a lot of talk and no payoff. Right. Kind of like for me, like soul. Like I feel like they built this thing up. But I, I think you are discrediting, you know, that that was all they had that that episode. They also had, they kind of built his backstory with his father and his family just being kind of the worst. And right. he was kind of adopted into the DWMA and kind of turned himself around. So he's like kind of breaking away from the mold that was the the Star Clan, you know? Right. Uh, the third co-lead, yes, you could say, is Kid Death. Who? Whoa, I want to talk about Subaki. Oh, you want to? Okay, well, what's there to say about Subaki? Subaki, I... Tsubaki was my favorite character. What? Of all characters. Now, I have a fun favorite. What? But my absolute favorite character is Tsubaki. Okay. Give me the Tsubaki case. Give me I just, I. It was her relationship with Blackstar and the fact that, like, she was, again, it was that episode where they kind of broke down their friendship and, like, and how they started as a team. He's sitting here being just a jackass on his first day at the DWMA. He's like, everybody watch me being the dumbass that black star is. And Subaki's just like giving him all sort of dap and just like, I just really liked Subaki as a character. I thought she was a badass. But also, like, I loved how much she looked after Blackstar. Like, it just showed how caring she was. I thought she was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, and I, I can get where you're like, oh, what are you talking about? Your favorite character? I get it. Like, they just didn't dive in enough. But it's one of those things where I'm like, man, if they did, I really think she had a lot to offer. Um, I think she had a lot to offer to be a, you know, badass female protagonist. But no, I don't know. I just really love the relation. And I think that's why I like Blackstar a lot. I love the relationship between the two. Yeah, they're the most interesting dynamic of the three and their weapons, for sure. No, Subaki's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, in the, like, you know, hypothetical fuck, marry, kill of her Maka and Blair, like, yeah, you marry Subaki, 100%. That being said, like, outside of that same village episode, you don't really get to delve into her character any more than, than, like, the supportive girlfriend role. You know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, yeah, between behind every strong man is a strong woman, that whole thing, like, 100%. Subaki's great at that. I, I, you know, doesn't really do it for me, but I, I can't, I can't fault the people that the Subaki stands. No, no, I was a big fan. Like I said, I think that, but that story arc between them had a lot more to offer. Yeah, well, that's the kind of the the whole show. It's like you just right. you're left wanting more. Right. It seems like even at the end, it ends, and you're like, okay, like I kind of liked where these characters were headed. Too bad we're not going to ever actually see the the finish line right. for it. Okay, so let's just go over the last main character then, because you know. Death and his, or Kid Death and his hoes. What are their names? Liz and... Uh, Liz and Patty. Liz and Patty, yeah. Death and his bitches, or Kid Death and his bitches. Death has his own bitches. No offense to the bitches. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he's... I don't know. He's he's definitely got his own thing. Like, he's kind of, like, doing his own thing most of the show. So, whenever he was first introduced, 
again, he he fit the theme of me. Like most characters came in and I immediately hated them and then started to like them. Right. But he came in and I thought you were supposed to dislike him. Like I, there's a lot of characters in shows that I dislike that everybody loves and that's just because I'm a hater. But I thought they were building him up to where you were supposed to hate him. Uh, I could not have been more wrong. After talking to a lot of people and just reading a lot of reviews and stuff, apparently he's the biggest fan favorite of the entire show. Right. I saw somewhere like in two polls, he was voted the most popular character. Why? Like, I don't get me wrong. I love Death of Kid. By the end of it, I was like, yeah, I'm all in on Death of Kid. I love Liz and Patty. I have no idea how he is the top fan favorite. It makes no sense to me. I don't know. He's got a lot going on. I think of the three, he's the most interesting to me. Uh, and I'm beyond just like the weird symmetry tick that he has. He's just he's just the most he's the most competent and he's the most capable. And his relationship with he gets the most I think out of his relationship with his partners. There's way more interesting interaction between him and Liz and Patty. Like Maka and Soul, it's very much like, hey, what are you doing? Like stop doing that. Blah blah blah. Subaki and uh, Blackstar. It's like, oh, I'm going to say something entirely egotistical, like fucking, and just like, and then she's going to be like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, you're fine. But like, Kid Death and Liz and Patty, Liz and Patty actually have like a rapport. And right. like, they actually, you know, argue and discuss things and work through things together. And he, you know, he definitely not, not doesn't necessarily like take their opinion seriously, but he at least listens to it. And he carries on in a certain manner. So I think that's probably why he's the most you know, beloved of the three characters. Yeah, and I totally get that. Like, he definitely is most in-depth um, as far as that goes. He's obviously Death's son, which we'll get into next. But, no, and he's great. Don't get me wrong. I really, I really like Death of the Kid. I loved Liz and Patty. And their relationship was a lot of fun from beginning to end. Like immediately whenever he was introduced and he was like going to the Egyptian ruins and he just like bails out on Liz and Patty and comes back because he thought something at home was not symmetrical. Um, He had that quirk that that was a lot of fun. But no, I mean him, him, Liz and Patty was just like a really good relationship they didn't dive too much into it from what i understand and i'll talk about this more later from what i understand you get a lot more from liz and patty on the like spinoff soul lead or not Mm. so that's something i'll definitely look into but no they were a lot of fun no i mean like he's just yeah i i can't really say much else about him other than you know he he does his part and he does a good job at it uh let's just talk about death then since his father is kind of this headmaster of the school in a kind of goofy ass way like he does sort of weird stuff and he doesn't act like how you would imagine death would what did you think about him and his role he was a lot of fun and you know what at first i hated that he was so goofy but i was almost okay with it and they actually explained it well they were like uh they were like wait why are you not such a badass anymore and he's like well i started the school didn't want to scare people so i changed my mask and i changed my voice he's like because this is the role i'm pulling uh you know what he reminded me of and this is what i keep saying to people is he was professor oak like yeah. he sounded like professor oak right he was like that he might old, have been the same guy for all i know I, like it might have been who knows 
But no, he was a lot of fun. Like he was funny because you would expect someone of that stature of that. Like I'm the biggest badass in this universe. You'd Again, expect him to be a little more edgy, and he wasn't, and it was fine. And he, and he ultimately kind of is a bit of a badass. I mean, like the dude can pull his weight when it comes down to it. Oh yeah, like he's definitely powerful. It's sort of Dumbledore esque again, like to use a Harry Potter reference, like especially in the early early stories of Harry Potter, like you know Dumbledore is this kind of like goofy old guy that you hear a lot about, and you hear how real he is and how you know you know he's about that life, but you're you're looking at him and you're like what like uh, not I'm not really getting that from what I'm seeing. No, he's 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 interesting and like he's tied his soul, I guess, to the DWMA to keep this certain kind of evil at bay. Again, this is another one of those things like you're like, okay, like I, I get that that's like a restraint on him and like the reason why death can't just go solve every problem himself if he's super powerful. But it's not really explained why that's the case, especially like after the mid-season finale, why he doesn't just like lift the curse. Yeah, you hit it on the head. I was going to say the same thing and I thought I was going to be out of out of tune. But no, I was like, wait a minute. Like if the Kishin... Right. soul is gone right what is tying you there yeah like i like i was willing to like wrap my head around like okay so like he, there's some kind of con- power contract he has to make by like keeping this guy down there that he has to tie himself to this place but like once that's done oh is this just so that like you can have the ending scene of like the city growing legs and running off like is it is it oh, all just for that payoff i'm like, not even ready for that you're not like, ready okay well, i'm we'll, not we'll table, even ready for that, we'll table that. <laughs> um for me like I, I the most interesting characters and other people have mentioned this like as on youtube videos and whatnot are like the side characters oh yeah like the teachers we already discussed krona like stein is is kind of a complicated guy yeah um, he's got a lot going on and he's the most sensitive to the kind of madness that's released. And so, like, the whole second half is really, like, a, in large part his story. Even, like, even characters that, like, I would on the surface, like, kind of hate at first, like Marie, when she comes in. Yeah. I was like, I kind she kind of grew on me in a way. Like, sure, in a lot of ways, like, I'm like, she should be more annoying than she is. Uh, but she seems so genuine and, like, she, again, holds her own. So you're like, all right, like, I'm, I'm with this. Like, she stays true to who she was. Yeah, I mean, for me, in that same light, was Sid. Like, immediately didn't right. like Sid, thought this was stupid, like, right. okay, zombie guy, whatever. But he grew me. Like, he was, he ended up being a badass, cool, you know, whatever. I'm going to use this time, now we're talking side characters, just yeah. do this first quip. Okay. Worst character okay. in the Soul Eater universe, yep. for me, least interesting, least funny, on least me. badass, Justin. Ah, like, Justin. He had the lamest name. Hold too. on, let me put my headphones in real quick so I don't have to hear this. Like, Justin Slander. I'm sorry. Like had the lamest name too to fit the lamest character. Nothing about him was fun. Justin has to be one of those characters that has a bigger role in the manga, and they just had to put him in. Like it makes no sense otherwise what he's doing there. He has three separate fights with this chainsaw guy, who's probably the other least interesting yeah, character. Yeah, definitely least interesting. He's though. the Justin of the villains, like, and he has several fights with this guy that mean nothing, go nowhere, and ultimately end in like some stalemate. Yeah, like both of them just split. There's no reason for either of their existence, and that's a, that's a, man. Like, I know, like, I'm just like shitting on a lot of this show, but like the the back half, like, villain introduction of arachnid and chainsaw man and mosquito it's just so rushed and so like 
as I was watching it, I'm like, all right, so yeah, these these are the bad guys. Like, well, we've been waiting 800 years. I'm like, sure you have. Like, what else have you been doing? Um, and it's like, okay, so like, all right, these are clearly like the new like antagonists, and it, they're just kind of there to fill space, honestly. right? And just kind of like thwart the efforts of the rest of the group. Because like, in the end of the day, Ashura ends up just killing Arachnid out of nowhere. Just like, boom, nah, right, so I didn't like, want to kill you. Let's, let's do the Ashura, Ashura thing real quick. Interesting character. Like, I thought they had something really going there. Again, like, he's not really mentioned until, like, they're like, we need to, like, release Ashura versus we need to stop Ashura. And that whole sequence is great. Like, that's really when, like, the, the show finds its footing is, like, the back half of that first part when they're, like, entering the underground area and all the characters now have to interact, and Medusa and Stein are fighting, and the rest are going ahead. Like, I thought that was really well-crafted, really interesting. And then you release this, like, you know, quote, big bad type character, and like, yeah, this dude's hardcore. I even thought the way that they, like, you know, that he got released was kind of interesting. Like, oh, he's like, he injects his madness in anyone around him, so it's actually a mistake that uh, Black Star releases him. Right. By basically, he's wrapped up in his own skin, and I, and I had a joke somewhere about, like, you know, circumcision here. But, like, basically Black Star like, releases him through some Jewish ritual. And off he goes. He fights death. They have some words. And then he fucking bones out. But then he's fucking gone. And you don't hear about him for 12 episodes, 15 episodes. Like, you're then immediately introduced to these other lame-ass villains that do nothing and go nowhere while he's taking a nap? What the fuck is he doing during all that time? Right. Well, I mean, I think they grazed over it. Am I forgetting something? Like, no, 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 no. He's no, no. literally just sleeping or whatever, just like hanging out in this bed. They grazed over it. I think what they said was he was, he knew he was not strong enough right now. Okay. Anyway. So he just bounced because he was not strong enough to do anything. So he just had to like, just wait. He seemed, right. he seemed fairly strong when he takes on death the first time. Like not saying he was, he would win that fight, but he again, holds his own. Right. And then pieces out. And then you just don't see or hear of him right. other than like these glimpses. So, and that's why the first half was definitely the, the better half. Let's, let's get into this. We haven't talked about, well, I see. I don't know that I agree. All right, like let's 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 talk about it. Well, all right, let's talk about uh, something we skipped over was Medusa. Yeah, easily the best villain. Medusa's a great villain. Yeah, Incredible we yeah. Why haven't we villain. talked about her yet? Okay, yeah, let's let's get into Incredible it. Incredible villain, just very in depth. Like she has an obvious goal of releasing the Kishin, releasing Ashura because she wants to bring madness about the world. Right. Um, obviously hateable. There's no even redeeming quality. She is nope. abusing her son, Corona. She, uh, she's just the worst. She coerces the, the other worst character in the entire show, that frog witch, uh, right. can't think of her name, right. but, yeah, I know um, you're talking about, yeah. coerces her into helping. They release several different, like, villains there, but she was, she had a clear goal. Right. Uh, she was obviously evil. There was no redeeming qualities. I just thought she had a beginning, middle end of a villain that was fantastic, and I thought she was a better villain than Ashra. Like, I thought she yeah. was the top villain of the entire show. So, like, that whole scene where she's trying to release... It was the, the mid-season finale, right. like, those, like, four episodes where she's right. trying to release Ashra, and then you have the three uh, teams going through these, you know, trials to stop her from releasing Ashra. That was so fantastically done. 
And again, like that first half had a beginning, middle, and end. It had like the, who are our characters? Let's introduce them. They had the middle of like, oh, hey, this is Medusa. This is her son, Corona. We're going to do all this stuff. And then they had the end of like, oh, no, is she, will she, won't she release Ashra? And boom, she does. And it's like, oh, crazy. I just thought it was an insane beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Then you get to the second half, and you're introducing a bunch of characters that, again, like you said, like, didn't really do anything like other than like power up Ashra. I mean, they did that. There's that was a real a goal. So I guess my, my argument is like the middle part, like from like the release of the Kishin until about like eight episodes before the end, like that gap sucks. Yes. Like, I, I don't know. Like they're going to get like brew or whatever. Like uh, doesn't really, I don't really. Okay. Sure. Like there's some weird sort of annihilation movie type shit where they enter this magnetic field. Okay. Again, not really explained. Fine. Like there's the episode where kid death goes on that train thing. Like again, all right. But it's just like, what? Like I'm like, okay, whatever. Like the last 10 episodes, like it just seemed a lot tighter. It's like when they were finally like, oh, here's where the bad guys are. Let's go get him. And through the end, like it was as good as it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like I thought like at least that, conclusion made sense in no, some ways it, like, it was great i thought you're right you're, no yeah. the last 10 episodes i'm just saying as a whole the yes first half no was you're you're, you're cr- yeah no i can't i can't argue that and i'll tell you this so leading up i thought they did a really great job and honestly they did a good job of that that episode with ashura taking on death for the second time and ashura's kind of giving his viewpoints I mean, all, a lot of fair points. Like, yeah. you know, it's like we're living in a world where we're told what to do and what we need to, you know, rules we need to follow. But why? What's the point of us doing all this? And then he wants to release madness. Actually, dude talks a lot of sense. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm just saying, like, he has, like, a good, solid reason why he's evil. Fool. He's basically the Unabomber in God form. Why have we not talked about Excalibur yet, though? I just because I thought the best way to introduce this would just be to interrupt you mid sentence and yell fool in your face. Fantastic. Because uh, and, and with just like a total interruption of the story, because that is what Excalibur is about. I don't know how much necessarily needs to be said about him. He's experienced in his own way. Let, let, let me let me tell you what. So I watched the first episode of Excalibur. There's there's like three solid episodes of Excalibur and then he pops in at the end. The first, like, Excalibur episode is when Blackstar and Death of the Kid go to get him. Like, they were like, this is supposed to be the top weapon. And I watched him. And I, at the end of that episode, I texted Brianna and Madison. I would slap the shit out of Excalibur. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's annoying. Uh, I put him on mute. I put that episode on mute. Whatever, whatever. Later that night. I worked with Madison. So I had just seen that episode that morning and that whole day I hated Excalibur. That night I was working with Madison and like, I just say, kept saying like fool. And I was like, by the end of that night, I was like, I fucking love this character. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I absolutely love this character. He's a character you should hate, and then you end up liking in spite of yourself. Like, I don't understand why. Because he's just, like, a straight-up bottle episode character. Like, and it happens multiple times. It's like, here's this, like, total out-of-story episode. Pointless episode just, like, means nothing all, to the all story. Of them. Like, it's just, like, every single one is just, like, this is, like, in its own universe. And at first, you are like, this sucks. Like, 
what what the hell is this fucking what what is he like i don't even know what i'm looking at i'm looking at him right here like he's got a top hat he's got a fucking cane so the best the best analogy i saw for him or description sorry the best description i saw for him is He's an Abe Lincoln impersonator. Right. That just like narcissistic Abe Lincoln impersonator. Okay. That that's the best thing I've seen. Just full of hot air. Right, exactly. Constantly giving a speech of some sort. Right, exactly. And it got I just I loved him so much that in the most Excalibur way, I saw I found a plush of him on Amazon and I'm like, oh my god, I need this plush. I want to put it in my car. And I'm thinking, you know, a good six to eight inches plush, like throw it in the back seat with my anger plush. It's gonna be great. And in perfect Excalibur fashion, it comes in and it's three inches tall. And yeah, we'll put this up on the website whenever the, the whenever ever. it goes up. Carbarpodcast.com. If you see this thing, like yeah, it's the ultimate troll. And it's like he, he's fucking he got fooled. What can I say? I, yeah. But no, I, I, I loved him. Like today I was singing that stupid Excalibur song all day at work that my my coworker is like the 60, United K. He was like sixty years old. He was singing Excalibur by the end of the day. He was just going, Excalibur. I, this guy has never seen the show, never heard the song, nothing. It was great. And yet he's on board. Um but I thought the best thing they did with him to get on a serious note. They bring him in at the end, yeah. like the sword comes in. How do you feel about that? Because I was torn. I was like, he comes back, which is fine. But suddenly he's like talking coherently. And I was like, would Excalibur do this? Actually, I loved it. Okay, I, okay. There's two sides of this time. I loved how they brought him in. And he's just like, they're talking because they're all like, God, Excalibur's annoying as fuck. So just ignore him. And he's just like, fool. And they're talking serious shit, like how right. they're gonna deal with Ashura. Right, and Boom. he keeps interrupting. Um, but they're like, "Fuck this guy, ignore him." But anyway, what I did like was that he came in and he was actually very knowledgeable. I think he's very smart. Like he's a badass. Like, yeah, he's the most listen, powerful weapon for a reason. Exactly. I mean. And I liked how they did not discount the fact that he was incredibly powerful and knowledgeable and stuff like that. Um, what I didn't like that, that he didn't, it was kind of a tease. Like he didn't end up doing anything. I was bummed about that, but I did like that. They gave him some validity. Like they, they validated him as a, you know, a knowledgeable bad as a real part of yeah. the story. Well, it, well, not only just that, but like that he is no, somebody. What I mean by that is like, he's a, an active player, right? So, and they respected his, you know, him enough to be there. Right. And not just be like, get the fuck out of here. No, he's fucking awesome. Uh, ultimately, I mean, the show ends like, yeah, I mean, they talk a lot about what fear is, you know, and how bravery and courage can defeat it, yada, yada, yada. You know, that's what the show's about, but that's not really why people watch the show. It's not that kind of show. So, I guess, we, I mean, we could go on and on about the sort of philosophic meanderings of the bad guys and the good guys, but you know, who, who really gives a shit about that? So, so I mean, all, all final all, thoughts. What, I mean, what do you think? Like, uh, listen, I mean, it was a great show. And, and here's, here's what I'm going to say. Like we've done a lot of shitting on it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's going to be a rewatch for me over and over and over. The Excalibur episodes alone are going to be rewatches, but no, the show in general is going to be a rewatch for me. I really enjoyed it. And it, it got you an anime. Yeah, so. absolutely. 
Now, a couple, the, the biggest thing that I think we can all agree is the fact that there was just, they dropped a lot of unfinished storylines, um, which I'm told in the manga, they, they go into a little more, but I think the biggest things that, that bothered me was there was no ending to a lot of like minor story arcs. I felt like could have had an ending. Like the biggest one that sticks out for me is the relationship between Maka and her father. The entire show, he was trying to win her over and prove to, and I think we don't get any moment there. We we don't get get any moment with her and her father, Never mind her and her mother. Who's absent the entire time that we get postcards from, but we never really learn much more than that about. But so, I think that was the biggest like miss because I feel like he tried so hard to like win her over and he was I feel like he was a really good father. He was just kind of, you know, he he made some shitty decisions. But we never got that I would have even been okay with her being like, nah, I'm still not good with you. But there was just none of that. Right. You could have had like a humorous scene at the end about it, but it just didn't happen. Right. There's there's lots of those. There's like, how, who who the fuck is Kid Death's mother? You know, like, I, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I, they kind of did that whole scene where Maka's like looking for like Death's soul and there's nothing there. It's like, well, yeah, he's Death. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But like... You think, oh, like maybe this is another mystery. Like, what's that about? Like, nope, that's that's never explored. So there's a lot of that, but ultimately, I give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, definitely, um, seven out of ten hits it. Like, it seems fair. Good. You know what I mean? Like, I can't say it's bad. I can't say it's my favorite of all time. Like, I've seen a little more than you as far as these animes go, and just there's other shows that have done this better. Yeah, uh, no, and I get that. At the but... same time, it's it's a good show. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and like I said, I'll, I'll definitely rewatch it. Uh, my next thing I'll end with this is like I feel like I re- I gotta watch, I gotta read the manga. So like oh, I'm shit. gonna I, I'm gonna dive in. But from what I understand, they they dive in a lot of these other things. So maybe these complaints that I have, a lot of unfinished storylines, maybe that's in there. I don't know, but that's I need to find out because I really enjoyed this show. Yeah, we'll need to circle back at some point and. You know, we'll we'll recap. I think next up for us, are we doing a Mighty Ducks Redux? Yeah, Mighty definitely Redux. the Redux. Yeah, we've done this once before, but uh, and we're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it again. Uh, I think it's gonna be tighter this time. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think we, you know, not that this was necessarily the pinnacle of podcasting tonight by any means. Lots of stuff we learned. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll we're bring learning. this into the future. We're so. learning on the way, so stick with us uh, and tune in next time. Take it easy.